Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. And thank you for joining us on this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. We are going to take on a subject, Blue, that you and I have not tackled yet. And frankly, we don't know of much in the mainstream media that has tackled it. Uh, we have a psychologist with us tonight, which we're going to introduce shortly. And we're going to tackle how people are coping with being at home, some isolated, facing a scary pandemic, sickness and possibly death yeah because uh tonight's going to be a little bit uh and it is tonight uh we're doing a, a late record uh the the issue that uh, uh normally we would be talking about manufacturing but this is now about manufacturing and uh people and business and uh uh, Dr. Uh, Dan Water is going to uh, give us his inside um, perspective in view of the fact that, frankly, the, new, the news media, the mainstream news media, really hasn't been talking a whole lot about this. And uh, I think that it needs to be out there. We have to get the message out to people who are... Uh, suffering from a different aspect than what you hear in the news, you know it's it's great to yeah. hear, uh, you know it's great to hear about you know everybody's going broke and everyone's out of their job and so on and so forth. But what about the people who are um, sequestered away and not being able to deal with the issues uh, with their families, their kids, and so on? So we're going to talk about that, and uh, Dr. Dan uh, Water is uh, an appropriate individual who can help us uh, discuss these issues. Uh, uh, Dr. Dan, I'm going to mm -hmm. call you tonight because sure. Dr. Dan Water is too long. So, Dr. <laughs> Dan, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm very happy to be here tonight. Okay. And let me just uh, introduce Dr. Dan to our audience. Uh, Dr. Daniel Water is a founding partner of the Morris Psychology Group uh, in Parsippi, New Jersey. And he joins us to discuss the psychological effects of a pandemic on people and how they cope with the fear of isolation, sickness, and death. And, it, you know, it's a serious time that we're going through. It, it, no one has gone through something like this before in the last 70 years, um, save maybe the Blitz in London, where, you, you know, you could have gotten, you could have died at any moment from a bomb from Germany. So you were terrified uh, near constantly. And, and right now we have people who are terrified near constantly. They're, they're out of work. They may be out of money. They're isolated at home. Uh, they don't know when it's going to end. They don't know if they're going to get sick and die. Uh, so, Dr. Dan, in general, how do people deal with this? This is, this is challenging. Well, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's hugely challenging, and it's, it's challenging in a way that most people are not at all accustomed to, to dealing 
Um, the, the the level of uncertainty out there, I think, is probably what creates most of the psychological difficulty. You know, nobody really knows when this is going to end. Nobody really knows what the outcome is going to be. And, uh, and, and ultimately, I think people are afraid that, uh, you know, their own existence, their, 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 their mortality, you know, they're having confrontations with ideas of mortality and, and, and fear that, uh, that, that they would die. Uh, Dr. D., uh, you and I had a conversation before the show about that particular point, and we don't hear that on mainstream uh, media about the fear and mortality. All you hear about is that people are frightened about uh, income and so on and so forth, but it's really more about death, dying, and suicide. Well, you know, uh, yes, but but I, I think also that even things like being out of work and running out of money or running out of food, uh, you know, that's that's a that's a form of, of of death as well, right? Or at least a a threat to my existence. You know that somehow right. I won't be able to survive. I won't be able to eat. I won't be able to take care of my family. I won't be able to pay my my bills. And what will happen to me? You know, so uh, it may that may not be you know death specifically. I I think that's out there too. People are you you can see how people react these days if they're in the market or or someplace else and someone gets too close to them you know we're we're hearing all kinds of uh stories on uh, on the news about fights breaking out in supermarkets or in lines because people are too close they're afraid they're going to get sick and die that's that is definitely correct and one one of the things that uh I, I was concerned about was the fact that uh, there are people who are um, really uh, concerned about uh, their families and so on. There, there was actually a story that I heard uh, on, on the news a couple of days ago about a gentleman who was in the hospital. He had coronavirus. And he was clearly dying. And his last dying words were, and this is really pathetic, who's going to pay the hospital bill? Wow. So, So here his last words were, to protect his family, who's going to pay for all of this? And it was really pathetic. And I'm sure there are many, many, many more stories similar to this. But yeah. this is the kind of stuff that uh, families are really concerned about. And uh, uh, I, I, we need some insight from you as to how these families or single people who are sequestered away under theoretically house arrest, how, are they, how can they deal with this? So you know it 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 it's it's really challenging for 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 many reasons. You know, one as as we spoke about yesterday a little bit is, you know, the threat is real. I mean, there really is you know a uh, a virus out there that for some uh, is going to have you know just you know terrible consequences. There are people who are going to who gets who gets sick and and die. So it's not like you know, people are are manufacturing some, you know, some source of anxiety that doesn't really exist, right? So, you know, the fact that there is some reality to this, um, you know, just makes it even more frightening. 
but there are ways to cope with it. Um, that Tell us really about that. Helpful. Yeah, there are ways to cope with it. It, it. Now, it kind of depends upon what your circumstances are, because first of all, the coping strategies that I would recommend for people who are healthy are different than perhaps those for people who are ill, right? I mean, you know, people who are not sick but are afraid to get sick, you know, that's that's one group. Those who are actually, you know, sick and and afraid or in hospitals and by themselves, you know, that, that there's another form of coping for them. But but let's go with the majority because we know that even though there are going to be, you know, unfortunate uh, casualties from from this uh, illness, um, there it's a, it's a small number compared to those who are are going to survive and and maybe not get it or be symptomatic at all. But everybody is stuck at home right now. And you know that is is creating some some good opportunities, but it's also creating some some problems. So to me, the the, the first step is acceptance. And I know that that may sound a little vague, but but the truth is, as I was saying earlier, it's the uncertainty piece that is really creating the most difficulty for people, not knowing what's going to happen and not feeling like there's anything that they can do to make this either you know, go away faster or, or, or go away completely. So the, the ability to actually accept that I can't control this and that I don't have to control this and there's nothing that I can do that will control this is a very important piece of this because without that, the coping then becomes all, all the more challenging. Once you can accept the fact that, look, I just need to ride this out, um, and and I, you know, actually, I was thinking the other day. I don't know if you'll if you'll appreciate this or not, but I was I was thinking the other day about when I was a kid and played board games. Board games were great ways to deal with uncertainty. Because if you think about something like Monopoly, right? So you have a lot of decisions to make. <clears throat> you have a lot of decisions to make that will either improve your position in the game or worsen your position in the game. But you don't control the whole game. The roll of the dice, which space you land on, if somebody you know, takes your property from you, Right? You, you don't have complete control, and yet you know, we, we kind of learn how to live with controlling what we can and accepting those pieces that we can't. You know, board games are more than just fun. They actually taught a lot of good life skills. <clears throat> so when it comes to dealing with something like this, you can't control you know, the, the, the disease. You can't control the course of it. You can't control the speed, really, at which it, it, it moves. But what you can control is what's going on inside your home. And as I said, for some this will be an opportunity, meaning that depending upon what you need, this is a good time to allow yourself to do those things. So, for example, some people, and we're finding this because of technology, are connecting with family through Zoom and, and, and other uh, plat video platforms that they haven't spoken to in years. Um, they're finding old friends that they haven't spoken to in years. They're, they're actually finding that they have time to have conversations with people that ordinarily feel so, so rushed and disconnected. 
So it's an opportunity to connect with people on one on one one end. It's an opportunity to do some of those things that you've always wanted to do, but maybe just didn't really have the time or the opportunity to do. Whether it's you know clean out your closets, clean out your garage, learn how to play the guitar, you know whatever it may be. And for still others, it's a good opportunity to just rest. You know, one of the things that 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 I am seeing that I think is such a positive psychologically is that this is really forcing a lot of people to slow down. They they have to slow down. They realize how their lives were were packed. They realize how they have not really been able to savor any parts of life because they go through it so quickly. So in those ways, I think some people, you know, will learn some really good skills that will help them cope. They're going to slow down. They're going to reconnect, um, which is probably the most important human function. And I also think that when you're concerned about mortality and you're dealing with fears of death, you want to do those things that make you feel alive. So you don't want to feel like you're withering away and just dying in your home you know, uh, literally or, or figuratively. But you want to try and do those things that create some kind of a positive energy that make you feel alive. And it's connection with other people that will do that better than anything else. Uh, to, to your point, um, uh, everyone on uh, all our listeners know that I also have a metals company, All Metals and Forge Group, and I've been doing that for you know, over 50 years. And just the other day, to your point, uh, I called a vendor of mine out in California who I, I, I've been doing business with for 30 years. I don't have a great relationship with him. Uh, he's... Uh, He's, he's got uh, some issues. He uh, has uh, issues that uh, uh, in his own business, and uh, we, so we we don't have a great relationship. I called him uh, two days ago, and I called him up, and he said, "Okay." He said, "What did I do wrong now?" And I <laughs> said, "Hey, guy, I'm just calling to find out how you're doing. How's your family?" and that stopped him really in his tracks. And we got into a 15, 20-minute discussion, and we we kind of created a, a, a new relationship that somebody from the East Coast is calling somebody on the West Coast, and I'm really caring and concerned about his issues. And he went into telling me some, uh, not some great stories, uh, which I won't go into now, but he so well appreciated this conversation. And I'm finding that doing this and talking to people that you do business with and or your friends or family who you haven't talked to, talked with over a long period of time, that if you could just get in and reach out so we're all sort of out of isolation and we're dealing with one another one-on-one. Yeah. And uh, I, find, I found it very uh, refreshing for me mm-hmm. uh, as well as them. Yeah, I mean, you know, to me that makes perfect sense. You know, as I said, I, I think human connection um, is harder and harder to come by. And that taking an opportunity to, to establish some of those connections, you know, 
people really respond well to that, and I think they feel better. I think, though, on the other side of it, though, because, you know, as I said, it kind of depends where you're at. You know, for other people, this is also a time to enjoy some quiet. You know, there are people whose days are just filled with uh, with meetings and, 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 and people and obligations. And so, you know, they may find that uh, that part of what they need is just some real quiet time to put on some music or read a book or do nothing at all um, and try and find some, you know, some balance there, right? I, different people need different things to balance the equation. Do you find this with uh, many of your associates and or uh, patient clients that they're experiencing what you just spoke of? Well, yes. Uh, I, I, I think a lot of them have found some positives. Um, but, you know, others have found, you know, negatives, too, which I think, you know, we, we need to look at, too. You know, this has not been a great opportunity for everybody, certainly you know those people who have family members who are ill uh, or, or or really compromised, um, people whose businesses are disappearing, uh, you know you know right in front of their eyes and and they don't know where they're going to end up. Um, people who are not in great relationships uh, to begin with uh, are you know really indoors with a, a spouse or a partner who is not a source of of connection. Or support, but uh, but create stress. Uh, I have a lot of uh, a lot of patients who have young children. Um, it's very difficult to keep children entertained. It, it's very difficult to do this homeschooling for a lot of parents. The kids don't want to do it. The the parents don't feel very competent. So so there are some real stresses out there, you know, as, as well. Um, but again, for those people. Uh, acceptance still, you know, becomes a big piece of the key, is that there's nothing I can do about this now. I have to find a way to ride this out now. I can't be focusing on, you know, how terrible my situation is or how I need to do something about my situation because there's really not much that I can do now. But that well, do, you, do you have any uh, clinical recommendations for those who are in these uh, dilemmas that you just brought up to help uh, their family environment and, you know, their, their uh, sequestering and within their, um, within their homes and their lives that they can't deal with? Yeah, yeah. Well, so the first, I think, is, you know, as, as, as unhelpful as this may sound initially is, People have to be realistic. Um, you know, as I said before, what's happening out there is real. You know, these are, are for a lot of people that my business is going to disappear or that my family member is ill and, and, and may not survive. Uh, you know, these are not exaggerations. You know, these are, are real things. And, you know, the, believe it or not, the, the, as strange as this may sound, the healthy response is to feel bad about those things because they are bad things. And you can't really wish those feelings away or rush those feelings away. Um, some people, if the feelings become overwhelming, you know, they may, you know, want to take some, some medication uh, that may help them with some of their anxiety. They may want to try some meditation or, or that sort of thing that may help a bit. But there is no escaping you know, the, the, the real costs of this. But 
what I encourage people to do is try not to let those thoughts consume their entire days because a lot of people find that if they can involve themselves in something else, they stop thinking about those things. You know, it, it may just be for brief periods of time, but even brief periods of time, you know, will be helpful than worrying about this constantly and just feeling just stuck in a state of panic. So even if you're doing things as mundane as, as, as a puzzle, or as I said before, cleaning out the garage or the closets, or talking with people on the phone, it will take your mind off some of these difficulties, at least for short periods of time. And for some people, that just may be the best they're, they're going to be able to do for now. Um, well, those yeah. points that you bring up, I, I value them and I, I agree with you, but that doesn't replace money. No. And, you know, when you're unemployed or your company is shut down, um, that doesn't replace your financial situation, which is uh, paramount for your family, your community, and the state that you're in. That that that's right. And, but you know what I what I and I and I, I agree with you. I mean that's what I mean by you know the threat is real. These are not exaggerated. But what are you going to do about that now? You know if you have a business that can't open because of you know government shutdowns, what are you going to do about that now? You can't open it. You can't go to it. You you might try and, and be a little more creative. You know, restaurants have certainly tried to, to stay afloat by doing more takeout or delivery or, or, or that sort of thing. So I'm not saying that you don't want to think about it at all in terms of trying to, to find some ways to try and stay afloat. But there are gonna be there are gonna be some people who are just that's just not gonna be an option for them. And they can they can spend all of their time worrying about it or try and distract themselves for whatever period of time they can, and the outcome is the same. One of the things that uh, we're hearing a lot about is that um, the alcohol industry has really boomed. So that's one way to deal with the issue, uh, maybe a poor, a poor methodology, but... Uh, it works, and even the the governor of uh, New Jersey, uh, Bill Murphy, who said uh, was asked a question about, uh, you know, you're keeping the grocery stores open and you're keeping the drug stores open, and why are you keeping the liquor stores open? And his comment was, well, you don't want to see all these people running around the streets going through the DTs as a lack of alcohol. Um, I'm sure that's not the psychological end or result of uh, or a cure, but there's a reality to that. Well, yeah, I I think on a couple of levels, you know, one is, you know, they they don't want to see that happening because they're trying to lessen, you know, hospital admissions and, uh, and, and use fewer and fewer hospital beds for anything that's not COVID-19 related. So, right. you know, I think there's a very practical aspect to that. But, you know, alcohol, you know, 
is is like most things. It's it's just a thing. It depends how you use it. It can be used in a helpful way, and it can be used in a in a harmful way. So, you know, if people are using alcohol during these times to not think about their problems, to 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 get you know, to get drunk and so they don't have to worry about their problems, I, I would not endorse that, you know, as a good strategy. However, like we were talking about before, I, I hear more and more of people during the daytime having virtual happy hours with their friends, you know, where they <laughs> might get together on, you know, on, again, Zoom or some other platform and, and they would, you know, all have a little bit of wine and and talk and just, again, try and distract themselves from some of the, you know, the, the the bad things that are going on around them, or the things that they're afraid of or concerned of, and I think that can be very helpful because it's really social. You know, it's the it's a little bit of alcohol and and socializing, which is is good for connection. So, in that sense, I could see where using alcohol could be very helpful. Uh, I, I agree with you, and uh, I, I've experienced that myself, where. Uh, groups of my my friends and I uh, have gotten together on Zoom, and uh, we all talk about our our own issues and our uh, shortcomings and our problems and our issues. And after a slug or two of uh, uh, some red wine or bourbon or whatever, you're sort of laughing about it, and um, you just move on to the next day. So uh, right. it, 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 it does work. It does help. Yeah, Our whole lives are all temporary, right, Doctor? Right. right. Well, that's, that's, that's certainly true, and, and, you know, we are definitely being confronted with that reality every day. Right. You know, but, but, you know, uh, again, you know, e- even though what we're, what we're talking about is, is tragic and is real, Everything can't be fixed quickly, and I know that for some people that is of no help whatsoever because they don't have the time to spare to keep their business going. They may have been, you know, kind of running on a very, you know, short profit margin to begin with, and and uh, and even with the government stimulus checks, it's it it it's just not going to do it, you know, for them. And there are going to be casualties from this. There's there's no two ways about it. There are going to be casualties of people's livelihood. There are going to be casualties of people's lives. But there's not a lot we can do in the immediate. But that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be opportunities down the line. Well, that's true. And uh, uh, Tim and I have made a point of not talking about uh, politics and sex on our shows unless it's appropriate. So uh, let, let's talk about sex for a minute. Okay. Uh, is, is, this, uh, is this a good way to relieve some of your stresses? So interestingly it, it it is and and i'll tell you why you know um you know when we were talking before about uh confrontations with mortality right and and how frightening they can be and if you think of this from an existential philosophical standpoint sex is actually the best antidote for fears of dying sex represents the life force Right, it's about creation, right? Whereas death is about endings, and 
if you think about the connection, you know, it, you don't see a lot of this in, in um, even in the psychological literature, but in a lot of mainstream books and films, this connection is made frequently. So a lot of people may remember the movie Moonstruck. Do, do you have yes. mm-hmm. that one? Yes, yes. So there's a scene in there when Olympia Dukakis finds out that her husband has been having an affair. And she she confronts Danny Aiello, who plays her uh, soon-to-be, supposedly, son-in-law, uh, and she says, you know, why would a man need more than one woman? I don't understand. Why would a man need more than one woman? And Danny Aiello says, uh, I, I don't know, uh, because he fears death? And... <laughs> It's it's really true. A lot of people, when they have anxieties about mortality, anxieties about their existence, they can turn to sex to mollify some of that anxiety. So, so sex actually can be very helpful in situations like this. Um, not everybody has the opportunity to do that, of course, because not everybody has a partner available. The, the, the people that I had mentioned before who have young kids are really having a hard time getting any privacy and, and getting away from their kids. So, you know, it's not, uh, it's not as easy to come by for some as it is for others. But, uh, but it is really a very powerful counter to fears of mortality. Well, I think that when this show is over and I don't have kids in the house, that I may go run upstairs and take a <laughs> shot at some of your suggestions. <laughs> well, well, you know, you, 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 that would be great. <laughs> and, and also, you know, another one, just to, just, just to, to drive the point a little bit further, um, is, you know, uh, uh, Ellie Wiesel. Remember uh, Ellie sure. Wiesel? Sure, sure. You know, who, yeah, the Holocaust survivor who... Um, Absolutely. Who, who you know who, who wrote a lot about his experiences with the Holocaust, and uh, one of his his books, one of my favorites uh, of his books, was a book called Night. And uh, there's a section in the book called Night, where he writes about the train going to Auschwitz, and everybody on the train knew where they were going. Maybe they didn't know exactly which camp they were going to, but they they knew they were going to a camp, and they knew that it was an extermination camp. They were going to be killed. And he writes about how so many people on the train were having sex. I haven't seen that in any of the movies I've ever seen about the Holocaust. <laughs> yeah, well, it's probably X-rated. <laughs> but, he, but he talks about that. He says people right there in the, in the open you know they they were just they were having sex and 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 of course it wasn't really joyful um you know but but they were they were they were having sex and those who weren't just kind of you know turned away um and you know didn't say anything and just sort of you know let 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 this let this happen you know it was it was really seen as a reaction to a confrontation with mortality and just a, a level of acceptance well, it, 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 to some degree, well, I don't know about that. I mean, maybe, maybe a level of acceptance, um, but I think more so it's, it's kind of what a lot of people do when they have 
confrontations with mortality is they look for something that makes them feel more alive. And sex does that. Okay. It's also very true with cancer patients, I understand, who are suffering suffering from a terminal cancer diagnosis. Uh, Dr. Dan, I want to share with you a a quote by Helen Keller uh, Uh that kind of touches on this a bit, and it reads, Character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition-inspired, and success achieved. This will end at some point. The COVID virus will fade and we'll come out the other side. Um, what, What can we share with our listeners to say, you know, it's tough. This is real. It's scary. It's tough. But hang in there. Use the strength of your character to hang in there. Yes, yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, these these things, they, they pass. As I said before, they do not pass without casualties, and so I certainly don't want to be cavalier about that. But, you know, these things do pass. And, 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 and one thing that might actually be, be very helpful as well as interesting to some people is, uh, I, I don't know, are either of you uh, Philip Roth fans? Do you like Philip Roth's books? Uh, I, I haven't read a lot of his work. Okay. So Philip Roth, you know, he's a, a New Jersey writer. Uh, actually, he was born and raised in, in Newark. And uh, a lot of his books uh, have very existential themes, but they, they are often based on actual events from his growing up in Newark. And so he wrote a book in 2010 um, called Nemesis. And the book Nemesis is about the, uh, the polio outbreak um, and especially how it affected uh, Newark uh, and other parts of New Jersey in the, the late 30s, early 40s. And if you read that book, you see that it parallels what we are experiencing so much today. You know, polio, nobody knew where it came from. Nobody knew exactly how it was transmitted. A lot of people got it, and and they were, you know, okay, but there were also a lot of people who ended up with polio and died. It was so frightening. Everybody was afraid. People, and they were talking, not necessarily in these terms, but they were talking about social distancing, washing your hands, don't touch your face. I mean, it was it was remarkable to me as I was reading this just a couple of weeks ago by accident. I picked it up, how it parallels what we're seeing today. But the outcome was that we did get on top of it, and the ability to to hang in there. To again, this is where the acceptance piece comes from. Is you need to be patient. I need to be patient. I need to let this play out. We need to see where this is going to go, and then we rebuild from there. There is no quick solution. These days, people like quick. We look for quick. We think things ought to be able to be taken care of quickly. This is going to test us. This is the challenge. This is where resilience and and, and character and connection with others are really going to be the biggest strengths, the biggest assets that people can have. And it will pass. We've been through bad times like this before. We've been through wars. We've we've been through terrible times. 
people have been scared before. You know, do you remember when we were in school and we had air raid drills? Right. They I were do. terrifying. They were terrifying. They do. They were terrifying. I, but, I remember in my, uh, you know, my at my age when I in the fifties, I was uh, I was one of those kids that was uh, climbing under the desk. In that's the right. early fifties, which was right. uh, which was ridiculous. Well, right, but but but, <laughs> but that's but you know what? But that's also very interesting because yes, it was ridiculous, but it, it I guess to, it's today what we would call the optics. It calmed some of the anxiety by giving us a sense that we had some control, even though we didn't. You know, we right. we felt like we had a, a sense of some control that 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 this is not a runaway train. That there's something you could do. You know, I, I think in some ways this is the value of TSA at the airports too. You know, having people there. You know, it it, it gives the optic. You know, that that somehow we are safer, and in some ways, of course, we are, but not nearly as much as we might like to think. Right, right. Well, you know, it's interesting, Doctor Dan. One of the things that they talked about since the beginning is wash your hands and don't touch your face. Never before in my life has my face itched as much <laughs> as when I was told I could not touch it. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> yeah. And as soon as you put a mask on, you want to scratch your nose or something. You know. well, exactly well, the, the, right. the, the real problem that I have with the mask is that I also wear glasses. So when yeah, you wear the mask and you're wearing glasses, right. your glasses get fogged. Right. So right. not only are you in fear of not uh, of getting a, a the, the virus, but you may go blind or walk into a door uh, or a wall um, because you can't see where you're going. Right, right. Well, you know, it's it's so interesting, you know, how how things kind of turn around and and how how you know context becomes so important. You know, it used to be if you walked into a Seven Eleven with a mask, they called the police. Now, right. if you walk into a Seven Eleven without a mask, they call the police. <laughs> right. I, it so happens that I did walk into a Seven Eleven a couple of days ago. I had my mask on. And I had a pair of sunglasses on, uh-huh. and they asked me to take my sunglasses off. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and please lower the coat. Uh, that was a scream. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Dan, I, we, we really appreciate your spending some time with us and sharing some ideas and thoughts that – Perhaps some of our listeners can uh, either appreciate through uh, uh, understanding what they need to do or not do, or even the humor of this. There is a certain level of humor, um, as long as you don't get the disease and die. Uh, but there, there is a certain level of humor, um, and uh, we've I've seen a, a bazillion cartoons about. Uh, what's going on in Washington and uh, with the uh, with the coronavirus and so on. So we do really appreciate your your serious input into the way people could uh, perhaps deal with this better or understand what they need to do for themselves and their families. 
Yeah, and 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 if 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 we have another minute, let me let me leave you with sure. just uh, you and and your listeners with uh, with one more thought. You know, uh, my my mentor, a, a wonderful uh, psychiatrist named Irvin Yalom, um, has has been quoted as saying, "While the physicality of death destroys us, the idea of death may save us." And what he means by that is, while you know, when when we die, you know, of course that that's the end of of our lives. But just having a confrontation with mortality and recognizing that life does end at some point in some way can actually really propel people to do some of the things that they have been putting off doing. You know, the idea of death may save us. This is the time to repair relationships. This is the time to to, to, to do the things that you wanted to do, whether it's apologies, whether it's connections, whether it's calling people, whether it's making changes in your career, whatever it may be. You know, time does run out for all of us at some point, but recognizing that and accepting that can be incredibly motivating to make some really, really good changes. I think that's a very valid point, and, uh, and as I mentioned earlier, I did make some phone calls to people that uh, I haven't spoken to in a long time and made them feel good about the conversation. So I experienced exactly what you're talking about, and I do appreciate that thought, and I hope that some of our listeners can uh, appreciate uh, your input and your your comments with regards to this terrible tragedy that we're all going through. Yes. Uh, Tim? Dr. Dan, I want to thank you for joining Lou and I on Manufacturing Talk Radio and sharing this very important conversation with our listeners. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And we've been talking with Dr. Daniel Water, who's founding partner of Morris Psychological Group, uh, located in Parsippany, New Jersey. Excuse me, and uh, we have touched on a lot of uh, a very deep conversation about feelings and emotions and how to handle them. And we just want to share back with our listeners that hang in there, don't give up. This too shall pass. We realize that some of us have caught it. Many of the, of us are recovering from it. Uh, we trust that you will recover from it as well. So uh, I also want to extend my thanks to my co-host, Lou Weiss, who really took on the mantle of pulling this show together. Uh, We don't hear about it in the mainstream media. It is a touchy subject, and it was a courageous move, Lou. Thank you. Uh, My pleasure, and I enjoyed it. And uh, I'm not going to be wearing a uh, hangman's noose. Uh, to <laughs> to have all of this come to that kind of an end, uh, Doctor Dan, thank you very much. I appreciate your uh, input and your joining us tonight. Uh, my pleasure. And uh, that takes us to the end of this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can find all of our uh, episodes, the body of work that we've done for almost seven years now, at mfgtalkradio.com. And as always. Thank you for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.